Here we are, 2020. Whatever the hell that means. It's the Brian Oak Show. Thank you very much for checking it out. Thank you very much for being a part of it so far. Thank you to everybody who has been a Patreon supporter at any level so far. By the way, VIP Patreon members, that means $20 a month or more. You've got your first live event coming up at the end of the month and details to follow within the week. Fingers crossed, right, Sean? We have a sweet list of hippies that are ready to, they're signed up and they're ready for the big event. I love hippies, by the way. Me too. Uh, I don't love all hippie music, but I love the hippie attitude, man. I like the, uh, I like the groovy freeness. I like the openness. I like pot parsimon bread, like all that stuff. (laughs) Patchouli. I used to wear my hair almost down to my waist. You know that, right? I remember. That's when I first met you. Yeah. Well, sadly, I don't have enough hair to do that anymore, but I still maintain that deep in my heart to be that guy. My name is Brian Oak. His name is Sean Bernard. He and I together do what we can to bring you the Brian Oak Show at least a couple times a week here, especially heading into 2020. Now, you and I recorded some shows very early last week before the new year. Now, here we are past the new year. Uh, You good? Everything all right? Yeah. Same. <laughs> Everything's fine. Yeah. Everything's great. What could possibly go wrong? There's truth in our voice. Okay. Uh, I wanted to start the new year with some real positivity, and I fully intend to, actually. But what's sad is in the week and a half since you and I have seen one another, we've lost a lot of really interesting, important, wonderful people, and it's kind of terrible. So I don't want to be maudlin to start the new year. I don't want to be the angel of death. I don't want to be mercenary and... I don't know, exploit these situations, but I do feel like, you know, when someone has been a part of your life, when someone has done something important, it's important to pay tribute. Does that sound fair? We have to. Well, I mean, some of these we have to, like, uh, we lost Sid Mead. Now, that's not a household name, but if you ever saw Tron, if you ever saw Blade Runner, he was the conceptual artist that devised the look of these entire foundational films and lots of other sci-fi films. Also, if you ever read Omni Magazine or National Geographic in the 70s and early 80s, put out this great series of stuff called Space, he he was a part of all of that. And um, that guy's vision influenced a lot of what I am right now and who I was back when I was young. And we lost Sid Mead. We also lost, although he didn't mean as much to me, I don't really quite remember him as well as other people do, Barry Zavan, the weatherman. Oh, yeah, I totally remember him. I I mean, I remember him, but I think there were other people who he had a bigger impact on. Barry was one of the sort of original wacky weather guys, and he was one of ours here in the Twin Cities. Not super wacky, but he was willing to have a little fun, and he was on television, and he was a well-respected meteorologist. It was crazy because I moved down to Phoenix in 1983 from Minneapolis, and I come back in 1989, and poof, Barry's gone. What happened to Barry? Well, I, again, I mean, you know, you reach a certain age and they kind of put you out to pasture. Oh. AKA the Brian Oak story. <laughs> <laughs> The truth hurts. Well, what are you going to do, right? I mean, like you can't you can't avoid it your entire life. And um, yeah, so I mean, like, so we lost two greats there, but we also lost some other people of sincere impact and influence. And we're going to hear songs from three of them very quickly before we meet tonight's guest, uh, who also has had no shortage of impact on not only the upper Midwest music scene, but really music in general. And I'm excited to hear more about his story. But first, who are we going with first here? You have to remind me. We're going with uh, Schoolhouse Rock. Oh, Jack Sheldon. So Jack Sheldon is, growing up, uh, Saturday morning cartoons, gather around kids. Grandpa's going to tell a quick story. Um, 
there didn't used to be an internet. There didn't used to be on-demand services. There used to be three channels, maybe one or two UHF channels, and that was it. And if you stayed up too late at night, one of those UHF channels, you'd kind of try to dial in halfway <laughs> between and kind of get a picture of some of that naked lady stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, Spe- it, was I called, do. <laughs> it was called Spectrum. Do you remember? Oh, Spectrum. I didn't have Spectrum. Spectrum, as we call it. Oh, my goodness. You people are monsters. In any event, uh, we're talking about Jack Sheldon. So when you're watching cartoons on Saturday morning, it was a real thing. And I know it sounds nostalgic and silly, but you'd go downstairs before the parents woke up and pour a giant bowl of cereal. By the way, life hack, before there were life hacks, you put all the cereal in the bowl, like fill it to the top. But normally if you do that and you pour milk in, it all spills spills out. Hold your hand down over the cereal. Pour it between the index finger and yes. the thumb. Let the milk come up. Yes. Let it set for a second. Don't yep. be an idiot. Take your time. And then go down and lay on your stomach in your Star Wars pajamas and watch cartoons all morning long and eat your... Oh. And Captain Crunch, you have to let settle a little bit or you will cut the hell out of the inside of your mouth. People keep saying that. It's my single favorite cereal of all time, and it never cut my mouth up. I have permanent scars in the roof of my mouth. Well, I think you have more permanent scars than that that we don't want to talk about. Uh, We're going to say, by by the way, so again, I don't want to make this take too long, because we do have a guest that we want to talk to. He's best known, believe it or not, as a jazz trumpeter, but he was also the voice of many of our youths, and his name is Jack Sheldon. Jack Sheldon was an original sort of uh, proponent of bebop jazz on the West Coast, right? He would go on to be, was it Merv Griffin? I think it was Merv Griffin. He would go on, yes, Merv Griffin sort of like Doc Severinsen for almost 20 years, from the mid-60s to the mid-80s. He was a guest on a bunch of shows, but most importantly, we remember him as the main voice, almost a Leon Redbone type oh, voice. Oh, yeah. I, it, it's so important. Schoolhouse Rock when you, you know, my wife's a music educator, and when you attach music to learning, kids pay more attention. And there'd be these great interstitials and things between cartoons on Saturday morning. Schoolhouse Rock, I bought, I bought it twice on DVD because there was the silver edition, and then I bought the gold edition because, well, welcome to me. But he did the I'm just a bill, yes, I'm only a bill, but I think probably his most iconic moment for most people roughly my age is this particular song right here. Not this, but that. And then there's or, O-R. When you have a choice like this or that. And but or, get you pretty far. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Hooking up two boxcars and making them run right. Milk and honey, bread and butter, peas and rice. Hey, that's nice. Dirty butt, happy, digging and scratching. Losing your shoe and a button or two. He's poor but honest, sad but true. boo Mm. I don't know, does that ring any bells for you, Sean? Takes me back. 
little bit, yeah. Well, in any event, Jack Sheldon gone way too soon. And we lost a couple other people as well. Again, not trying to start the new year off on a negative note, but I feel like saying goodbye is an important part of healing and moving on and recognizing the people that influenced your life. Now, this next artist, a young St. Paul rapper who, I got to be honest, I'd only heard one song before in my entire life. I don't know much about her at all other than for the last five years, she's been making a steady climb upward. And the word came down yesterday that she passed at the age of 21. She first started making an impact at 16 when she dropped her first mixtape, working with all kinds of people. Also really good in the studio, like kind of making her name as a a remix artist and dropped a full length. And now, again, no word as to how she passed, what happened, what specifically went down. And I'm not really interested in digging into people's dirt or any of that kind of stuff. It's just 21, no matter what you're looking at, no matter what your life looks like, way, way, way too young. She was a young St. Paul rapper by the name of Lexi Alleger, and this is her right here on The Brian Oak Show. Now when we meet 
Why do they say it makes the world go round? I can't explain the way I feel for you. My feet don't touch the ground. Out, don't desert me. Out, please don't hurt me. Out. Met, I must admit, I fell for you right from the start. Now, when we meet all kinds of things, it seems upset the apple cart. Out, don't desert me. Out, please don't hurt me. Out. Back in the late 1970s, Eric Idle of Monty Python fame was involved in a wildly popular, at least from the UK standards, and it filtered in a little bit over here in the States, in a Beatles parody called The Ruddles. And as opposed to The Beatles, they were The Ruddles. There was a hard day's rut. There was all kinds of great parodies involved there. And they put out an incredible album that my dad bought me on vinyl when I was probably too young to appreciate just how brilliant it was. Now, there's a guy by the name of Neil Innes, who was a lot of people called the seventh Python. Like, he was a part of that crew because every single song you know from every Monty Python movie, that guy wrote. Every sperm is sacred, etc., etc. Life's a piece of shit when you look at it. And and some of them Eric Idle wrote, but most of them were done by a guy by the name of Neil Innes, who died, sadly, just a couple days ago at the age of 75. Now, it's coming for all of us, you know, in it's one of those bits where, like, if you're born, you're going to die. There's no way around it. But it still sucks when people who have changed and influenced and informed your life pass. Neil Innes right there, if you've never watched the Ruddles, if you've never seen the television special, if you've never heard the record, if you have any love for the Beatles, but also they are not such a sacred cow that you don't mind somebody taking a hot shot at them, you should really check it out. That is the Ruddles right there. Their take on help. It's called Ouch on the Brian Oak Show. Hey, I want to thank um, Smart Start MN. They are the primary sponsor, the studio sponsor, and the first sponsor to jump on board the Brian Oak Show. What do they do? They are the originators of Ignition Interlock. What is Ignition Interlock? Well, if you decided to drink and drive and you got popped and you made a bad choice, then you can't drive anymore. However, they can put uh, something in your vehicle which costs way less than you think it would, and as long as you breathe clean... You're allowed to drive way sooner than you might expect you'd be able to drive, which is important. From what I've heard, you need to be able to still go to work. You need to still be able to get your kids to lessons. You still need to be able to go buy groceries. It gets real expensive if you're not able to do that. We're going to be producing some silly videos over there tomorrow. Silly or serious? I've been I've, I've actually been working with a Shakespearean acting coach. I was hoping it would be a little more dramatic than that. My vision is very different. <laughs> 
Ed and Mike are wonderful guys. They jumped on board early for the Brian Oak Show. They can help you should you have made a terrible, terrible mistake. They will not judge you. Again, the bottom line is do not drink and drive. I hope you never talk to these guys. But guess what? Lots and lots of people drink and drive. Should you make that hideous mistake, these are people who can help you and get you back on the road to doing better than you did before. Would you say that's fair? Absolutely. Check out uh, Smart Start MN. Uh, you can click on the Brian Oak uh, show.com site and click on their logo and it'll take you to a discount. So it's already pretty affordable right. compared to not being able to go to work and receive a paycheck. Um, it's very affordable, but got even more affordable as they offered a great discount. Let me ask a question. We have a website. We do. BrianOakshow.com. Now, is that the same website that was put together by early supporters like Amy Barthel? Yes. And also, uh, Rebecca Slater, I believe, she took all the photos for that, right? She did. She was very patient with you. Oh, well, that's because I'm such a diva. I'm very difficult to work with. Um, by the way, her website, if you take a look at the work and you're like, oh, she's pretty good at this, it's byrebeccastudios.com. Not like by Rebecca, but like by rebeccastudios.com. That's correct. Exactly. So thank you to her. Thank you to everybody. Thanks to Dave Gatsby who came with our logo. And thank you to our guest this evening who has been a part of the upper Midwestern music scene for, well, as long as I have been jabbering at people, maybe even just a little bit longer. Uh, Jason, hello, and thanks for being on the Brian Oak Show. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. Two questions. Your last name, I know how it's spelled, Flatiger or Flatiger? You got it right the first time. Flatiger. That's right. So are you a GIF guy or a GIF guy? Uh, I'm a GIF guy. GIF. Yeah. Yeah, that's because you're doing it right, because you know how your last name is pronounced. That's right. Jason, for those who are not familiar with your name immediately, the very first, I mean, I've I've met you a couple of times, but the very first thing I think of is the Big Woo. Now, for people who are not familiar with the Big Woo, other than maybe Joe and the Volcano, tell me how and what the Big Woo is and was uh well the big woo a long time ago back in 1991 i was a student at st olaf college and uh by mistake i had to transfer in from winona state actually and whoa, 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 yeah. back it up okay. i went to winona state you did 19 well only for one year before i dropped out and decided college was for nerds it turns out i was wrong and everybody <laughs> who stayed in school was cool so i went to winona state my wife went to st olaf that's right yeah Weird, man. Uh, so you went to Winona State, and then you transferred to St. Olaf. Why did you transfer? Uh, I was going to be a, a was pre-med. I thought I was going to be a doctor, and yeah. I, got, I got to organic chemistry in you know, Winona State, and I, I dropped out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, then you're like, no, college is still cool, whereas I was like, no, nah, I'm going to go work for an environmental organization and smoke weed all day. Well, my sister But actually, you went to St. Olaf and smoked weed all day. Well, not all day, but no, parts, parts a, of the day. A good chunk of the day, sure. sure. Okay. <laughs> My sister actually went to St. Olaf, so we got a deal if two of us went there. Oh. So that's what happened. And, and by mistake, they put me in a freshman dorm. I was a transferring junior, yeah. but I, I didn't complain about it. Right. I, I just uh, I just went with it. I ended up being the guy who bought people beer <laughs> in the freshman dorm. So no wonder you were in a successful band. We're like, hey, we're going to go see Beer Guy's band tonight. I got to know the people in the dorm. For yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah. And and when I was there, I met Terry Vanderwalker and Chris Castino, and, and both of them were musicians or wanted to be musicians. And were you a musician already at that point? Yeah, at that point I was. I, I was playing in a band in Winona State because when I got to Winona State, I figured, how am I going to get into the bars? And I started right. a like a Rolling Stones, R.E.M. kind of band. 
And so I played right. that. Before we talk about the big sure. woo and their ascendancy, I want to back up just a little bit. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Invergrove Heights. Okay. Yeah. I, I was a Coon Rapids guy, so other end of the metro, but I get it. Yep. We were... Uh, we were wrestling school, I guess. Yeah, I down by the like down by like the river and by like the uh, the uh, what's that called? Not a process, the refinery. E- yeah, by the King of Diamonds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea yes, what you're talking yes. about. Um, so you grow up. When's the first time? Now we all grow up. I mean, I think everybody in their own way likes certain kinds of music, and it informs who they are. But a lot of us, either we decide I can't make music, I can't do. At what point, or and who are you listening to when you're like? I'm doing music. I was, uh, well, I was a, I tried to be a basketball player when I was at uh, Simley High School in Grove Heights. My, sure. My father was thrilled because I'm pretty tall, uh, but I wasn't very good. So once I, <laughs> once I got out of that, I started locking myself in my room and playing guitar. So, I mean, like, I remember doing gym class in high school. I'm like, if a layup is hard for me, I'm probably I'm probably not cut out for this. Like yeah. so, um, so your athletic career was derailed <laughs> basically because of genetic predisposition. So you lock yourself in your room. Yeah. What's the first way you start expressing yourself musically? Well, I went out and I bought uh, a lot of hair metal bands. Yeah, I was into Dokken. I was into Motley Crue and Speaking of Winona State, my very first roommate. His name was Tim Dockin, and although he was the least metal person I've ever met, <laughs> uh-huh. he, because his last name was spelled the same way, bought one of those giant all-the-way wall-sized posters that hung up by yeah. his bed, like of Dockin. I'm like, I've never even heard of Dockin. And I grew up in Coon Rapids, but I didn't know Dockin. They didn't really cross over. They were, like, massive. But I'm like, you are the least metal person I've ever met, but Dockin. Was it a full-size Don Dockin? I... <laughs> It was Don, but I feel like there were a couple other guys in there with really beautiful spiral perms yeah. or something like that going <laughs> yeah. on. I, yeah. had, I had some of those posters. My, sure. My mother was So you got me. docking, you got metal. I mean, but this is, metal. we're talking about the, the mid to late 80s, and so this is what's happening right now. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And so, so you listen to music. When did you first start expressing it? When did you first start playing music? Oh, well, my mother put me in piano lessons when I was younger. Okay. So I did that with, a, with this teacher named Mrs. Soul. And she had a... Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. How did you spell soul? S-O-U-L-E. Wow. That's like oak, except O-A-K-E. That's right. Crazy. Were Unnecessary E. Were you a Cinderella guy? No. Well, uh, the, uh, the band Cinderella? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> How did you Disney, feel about the stepsisters? The Disney princess. <laughs> no. I mean, just because I'm trying to think of like piano adjacent metal bands, and I, they're one of the few bands I dug from that era. Yeah, I guess I was in piano lessons a little bit younger. Okay, all right. As growing up. But my teacher was Mrs. Soul, and she had a boy with disabilities, actually, who lived there as well, but they kept kept him in a separate room. And they had a little... Yeah, they had a leash on him and everything because... Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, this was a time when there weren't, like, a lot of rules, (laughs) so... Or a lot of checkups. Yeah. Well, she would teach piano lessons all day, and you'd hear the son make noise in the other room, you know, because he had disabilities. Yeah. And so we all wondered what was going on back there. We were we were like kind of frightened as kids. Did but, you ever find out? Oh yeah, he would come out once in a while, and then it, it was harmless after that. But. Of course, but also like my piano teacher kept her disabled son on a leash in the back room. That is just it's, awful. It's disturbing. Wait, it's awful, but also like 
She we had live, to work. We live on a wild planet, man. Like we, t- it's it's not normal being alive. Jason Flatiger, you uh, then, of course, you would learn piano. Okay. Uh, and but you would go on to be a guitar player. When's the first time you touched a guitar? Well, I was about fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. Fifteen. And were you ama- Were you instantly amazing? I was not instantly amazing. No. 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 I would listen to to Van Halen to to Eddie Van Halen and try to copy what he would. Oh do. my God. All right. Quick question. Early Van Halen. Or later Van Halen. I was disappointed uh, with later Van Halen, so a lot of Samesies. Yeah, I just couldn't get into the the whole. Uh, who's the singer again? Van Hagar. Hagar. Yes. Sammy Hagar. Hagar. The Sam. Yeah, that the, being right. said, though, Standing Hampton, I'm still proud that I own that particular record, but I'm not a huge Hagar guy. Yeah. Um, yes, early Van Halen, obviously better. Later Van Halen. It's kind of like. Um, Def Leppard, whereas Pyromania is one of the top 10 80s records of all time, and every copy of Hysteria should be gathered up and thrown into Hudson Bay (laughs) off of Nova Scotia. (laughs) (laughs) So you pick up the guitar, you're starting to play guitar, you, did you do any music before you got to college? Uh, Not really. I played in a band, my first band was called Cheap Thrills, with a Z at the end. Shit, yeah, it was because yeah. that's that's metal. That's the late eighties, man. Yeah. E's enough, Z enough. Am I right? That's right. That's a uh, solid high school band name, by the way. Cheap thrills for the days. Well, it's kind of like Wild Stallions, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Jason, what was? If you don't mind my asking, then I promise we'll get to something relevant. I just I love stories like this. That's the whole point of this podcast is stories. What was? I mean, at some point, like, you know, so you, you practice a lot of songs, you're playing along with it, you realize you're not very good at most of it, but then all of a sudden it clicks and you kill that first song. What was the first cover song that you're like, shit, I am white hot? Well, <laughs> I don't know if it was like that quite, but I, I did really practice the solo for Hotel California. Yeah. And when I was at Winona State, we did something called Spring Fest. I don't know if you remember that, but in the springtime, they had a music festival with, with like, the Bodines or somebody. Yeah, yeah. And we were, like, the third-tier band on that. And I remember playing Hotel California and nailing that solo. You were a teenager, and you got to open up for the Bodines. No, I was in college. I just got to Winona State. Well, okay, but, I mean, like, so you didn't start college until you were 24? Oh, I or? guess you're right. Yeah, I was 19. Okay. Sure. A lot of LDS back in the 60s for Jason. They were required. <laughs> Bodines were required to play all colleges uh, at least 40 times a year for, I think, 10 years. Is it kind of like the suburbs required to play at least three southwestern Minneapolis high school proms every single year? Oh, my God. Yeah. Crazy. Interesting. Jason, we're going to get to your first musical pick, which is the brand new Heavies, who I have heard the name a million times and know practically nothing about, so I want to pick your head about that for just a second. But first, I would like to mention one of our sponsors, if you don't mind, and that would be Great River Radon Mitigation. Great River Radon Mitigation, what do they do? Well, it says right in their name. They mitigate radon, and we're right here next to the Great River, which would be the Mississippi. Here in the upper Midwest, apparently radon, a noble gas lives deeply in the marble and even if you don't have marble here it happens in a lot of homes and if you don't test for it you don't know that it's there it's silent it's odorless but it happens to be the leading cause of lung cancer in non-smokers in the according to the epa up here in minnesota so you want to check your home so laurie from great river radon mitigation if you text her at 612 612- Seven zero one two two one six for an extremely reasonable price. They'll come over and test your home, and is even more reasonable by going through us. It is. It's actually more affordable if you go through her. So text her specifically, and yeah. you'll get a great deal. I just saw a PSA over holidays that they suspect that two in every five Minnesota homes 
has radon that's too high. And they were running, they're starting to run PSAs to get your house tested. So may as well go with our friend Larry, get a deal. And uh, what's the number that they text again? That number is 612-701-2216. Now, Sean is a bit of a fear monger. I think he also believes in reptilian shapeshifters. That being said, yes. whereas those don't exist, radon actually does exist. And here's the deal. So maybe you don't have to do the full-blown mitigation bit. Better to know than not know, especially when your kids are like, I am so out of here. And by out of here, I mean I'm moving in the basement. <sighs> Because I have one of those. So in any event, go get it checked out. Find out if you have it. And if you do, these are people I know and that I personally trust, not unlike Sean himself. So please, Great River Radon Mitigation. Text Laurie, 612-701-2216. It is the Brian Oak Show. We're talking to Jason Flatiger. Flatiger? That's right. God, I'm going to get that wrong. Oh, I actually have gotten it right both times, but at some point I'm going to get it wrong. Tell me about the brand new heavies and why you wanted to hear this song. Well, I hadn't heard them until two days ago. Yeah. Ever? Wow. Yeah, ever. Wow. Uh, and so uh, a friend of ours named Vanessa, who's from Venezuela, uh, is a great singer, and she wanted to do a song by the Brand New Heavies. So I liked it a lot, so I thought I'd bring it in as one of my new music picks, I guess you could say. Fantastic news. Shall we hear the Brand New Heavies, Sean? We shall. Let's do it.
That would be the brand new heavies. British band who got started in the mid-80s. Very groovy, very free, very jazzy. And the choice of our guest this evening, Jason Flanagan. Now, Jason, let's move. Go ahead. And I, I'm sorry if I spent too much time on your youth and your development. But to me, this whole show, the whole point of it is talking to people who had an impact and hearing their stories. To me, that's that's fascinating. I like the informative stuff. I like the foundational stuff. I like the connective tissue. So here we are. You go to Winona. You move to St. Olaf. And suddenly the big woo is born. Now, the big woo is going to go on to have a huge influence. It's going to go on to basically inform what most upper Midwestern music festivals look like at one point, but we're not there yet. Where are we at the first few times you guys get together and get around? I mean, we're hitting we're hitting the bong, and we're, like, doing some Grateful Dead covers, yeah? That's right. Yeah. And Almond Brothers. Okay, yeah, great. I love stuff. the Almond Brothers. Oh, okay. Here's the, the- here's the deal. Like, the Almond Brothers, to me... And I don't want you to take this the wrong way because this is a very sensitive subject. I lived with four deadheads for mm, two and a half years. And my only problem was, this is before the internet, this is all this, you know, they had a cigar box full of bootleg tapes, right? Because that was the whole bit, right? You pass these around like, oh, this is 1971, man. This is Fillmore East. Hamza Eldeen's on drums before they go into stars. And they come out into a brilliant version of Scarlet Fire. And the fidelity was so bad because it was like a 16th generation tape. And also, like, the playing, I'm like, they're as fucked up as anybody in the audience. And so I, I, was, I enjoyed the philosophy. I enjoyed the theory. But I was also at the same time, like, I literally have the Pixies new record right over here. And it fucking sounds amazing. We should listen. I just, I just didn't feel it. The Allman Brothers, though, I feel like the, the musicality there was amazing. So... I'm not here to judge the Grateful Dead, but clearly the Grateful Dead are part of the foundational stones of what the Big Woo were doing. That's right. And in fact, in, in 19, I guess in 1993, 1995, well, 1995 was when Garcia died. Right. And when he died, also the internet came out. Yep. So you mentioned tape trading. A lot of these Grateful Dead tapes that went around the country, people would put Big Woo songs as filler. Like there'd be, you know... 15 minutes left in a tape that they need to fill with something. They, yeah. put, they put a big woo song in there. And that's kind of how we started spreading around the country is people, people picked up on that and they're like, Hey, that sounds good. Where do we, where can we get more? You know? And we'd send more tapes out. <laughs> like, what would be, I mean, and so that part I love, like, like the, like people are like, I love this. I want more of it. I was never mad at anybody who liked the grateful dead. I just, it never moved me like that. But it clearly was a movement. Like, I lived with these four deadheads forever. We were we were friends for life. I traveled with them to go see shows. I just wouldn't go in to see the show. I'd go talk to the pretty hippie girl who was selling pot parsimony yeah. bread for a couple hours. Or the dude was over there like, dude, the squirrel was blue. You should have seen it, bro. <laughs> Which, again, I, I, I'm mm. not mad. I'm not judging anybody. It just wasn't my jam. So you start practicing. You start doing a thing. You guys start jamming. I guess the real question I want to ask you is, without judging, because we, we don't get to pick what we love. We all like different things. You understand, though, that there are people who, of course you do, because they've, you've had thousands of them in front of you before. There are people who love jam bands, and there yeah. are people who, as soon as you say jam band, they're walking the other direction. That's right. Well, it's, I think of it like hip-hop or, or jazz. I mean, not jazz so much, but hip-hop is, you got to really sift through to find stuff that is that are golden nuggets. Agreed. You know, no pun intended. But uh, <laughs> bro, <laughs> I, I think <laughs> honestly, I think uh, maybe eighty, ninety percent of jam bands are just sort of mildly masturbating on stage. I'd say the same thing about almost ninety percent of all bands. Like yeah. you have to do. Anybody who says 
all country sucks or all hip hop right. sucks, it means you're being lazy. And so I had to work like I, with jam bands. I'm the same way. And then there are bands that sort of cross jam bands and other genres like your tools, like your dream theaters. There's a lot out there. You have you have to sift and you have to be discerning. That's right. Yeah. Same same with jam bands. So, yeah, the big woo, uh, Grateful Dead for me has always been about Robert Hunter and his lyrics and what he wrote that went to the music that they put together. So I'm, I'm, I'm all about their songwriting. They're masterful songwriters. Agreed. Well, I mean, but you were also part of that process, or are you also a masterful songwriter? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I was giving that. you an option, man. I was giving you a <laughs> yes, I am. No. <laughs> All right. So Big Woo starts to make some waves and starts to get some traction and starts to be a real thing, which, you know, I mean, there are a lot of great bands that have come out of the upper Midwest. There are a lot of bands who have done this sort of thing, but it's also not that simple. It's not just like, we're going to sit down and write great songs, and we're going to be amazing, and people around the world are going to know our names. This requires dedication. So at what point does, what were you going to St. Olaf for? I was going to be a music major, but I, I didn't pass the final exam. Uh, to get into the music program, so yeah. they, they told me to go into something else. So I went into sociology and got out of college as fast as I could. I understand that entirely. But at some point, the big woo is making, like, you're not just doing, oh, we're playing down at the Rubenstein, and we're yeah. playing at all these other places. You become a thing. You become a, not only known nationally, you become a band that is sort of one of the preeminent jam bands in yeah. the world. I mean, like, that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, kind of. I mean, back in 95 when Jerry died, yeah. I mean, a lot of people look to their cities to, like, you know... Fill the void. Fill the void. They don't have the touring band anymore. So yeah. they were looking for bands to kind of gravitate towards. And I think we fell into that, you know, one of those bands, one of those early jam bands. One of my dear friends who I know that you also know, I think we're like, we're like three degrees, four degrees of separation, told me that... Um, were, you the, were you the first band to ever play at Bonnaroo Festival? From uh, from Minnesota, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I think so. Well, we, it, it, we were the we were the we were the first band to actually perform the Bonnaroo Festival in two thousand two. Right, we were like first of all of the bands, so. like the first day on the stage, yeah. early in the day. That's right. I mean, like the the shrooms had barely started to take effect, <laughs> and then then it was go time. It was go time, yeah. About ten thousand people. It was. I have so many questions. Like, so here's the deal: we've <laughs> we've all done the drugs, right? Like, not everybody and kids stay in school and don't do drugs. Otherwise, you're going to end up like Jason, or, or we're still like Brian Oak. Um, <laughs> stay in school, don't do drugs. But when you know, so did you? I like doing, like, I did radio for 25 years, and I tried it high once, and it was so terrible that mm -hmm. I never did it again. Were you able to play high? Did you enjoy being lit up when you played? I Did I enjoy being? It depend, depends. Okay, enjoy is the wrong word. Did you get lit up before you played ever? Sometimes. Okay. Yeah, and sometimes we would, we, I really like doing LSD. Yeah. And I like doing ecstasy. And I'd sometimes combine the two. Ooh. And then do that on stage. And, pew, pew. Oh, it was so <laughs> it was like amazing. Well, but, see, now, I, I, like, I, I like the idea of that combination, but not standing in front of tens of thousands of people and being required to do something that has a certain amount of technical acumen, which I guess 
that's the whole bit, right? If you can let go and just kind of groove on it, and as long as everyone else is feeling it, but it would make me so nervous. That would make me so anxious. Well, a lot of the people who were in the crowd, too, were people just like us, you know. Yeah. They, they weren't uh, just random people from a street festival or something. No, but all they had to do was sit there and groove and jam and enjoy themselves, whereas you had to make a real song. Like, you had to do something to keep those people happy. Yeah, the Big Woo was, you know, really into improv. Yeah. Like improvisation, so we would... We would uh, you know, people like that. They like to see us, you know, go out to a cliff and see if we fall over or if we, you know, rise above. Well, let me ask you this then, because I like the idea of improv, and it's fun when you are... Ch- now, this I've done a lot in my career. You challenge yourself. You yeah. say yes to things that you're not certain that you're able to do. Let's get scared. Let's get real. Let's see what we're actually capable of. And even if you mostly succeed at that and you're like, we're good enough at this and we can read each other and we're inside each other's heads and this is amazing and everyone's feeling it, there are going to be days where it doesn't work. And yeah. it's it's a it's a train crash. It's terrible. Did you have any of those? Oh, sure. Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> but, I, you know. So how, what do you do? Like, you just ignore it and then move on like the next song's going to be better. Kind of. I mean, I think that we fell back on our material then because the big woo, I, they're not magnificent songwriters but they're really good songwriters of course they are well there's and, a reason that people know who the big woo are yeah and i think it, it it came down to that people you know as long as they heard the songs that they liked by the big woo right um they, they got happy for that you know right well I, I think that i guess that's both the joy you know sean i know you've done plenty of improv in your life yes. as well i think that's both the joy and the danger of doing your act without a net right? right i mean like you have that to fall back on you have a script to fall back on right. and sometimes when you riff it's brilliant sometimes when you riff it is mind expanding not only for the performer but also for the the recipient the 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 fan but then when it's not that can be really tough that's where the tape trading came in and, and shows that were more exceptional than other shows people would trade because they would get that They'd get it's they'd get the hit or whatever you know. Well, and here was my problem with the tape trading. Uh, not I'm not talking Big Woo. I'm talking back in the Grateful Dead days and my fan, my friends is they would their eyes would roll back in their heads in religious ecstasy, and I'm like, you know, what? I'll bet if I was there and super high, <laughs> it might have been amazing. But to me, listening to a hissy ninth generation tape of something that sounds like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's just a different animal. I think it's something that you have to be into. I think it's something. So what is now? I know that you left the big woo after a while, but before we get to that point and we're going to hear your next song here very shortly, what is the craziest pinnacle when you, Jason, as part of the big woo, what was the biggest thing you ever, like, what was the most unexpected thing where you're looking out, that I'm not talking about drugs at this point, I'm just talking about, I'm not talking about success, I'm not talking about wealth, I'm not talking about record sales, I'm talking about you are involved in an event, or in front of a crowd, or at a festival, where you look out and you're like, how did this ever freaking happen? Right, yeah. I would say big woo family reunions. Yeah. We used to do festivals every year. And this was before there were hundreds of festivals all summer long that you could go to. There was right. there was basically two. There was Wookie Foot in the fall, yep. and there was Big Woo in the spring. Did Wookie Foot ever scare anybody else? Wookie Foot? Uh, I mean, because they were cool, and they were nice people, and they were good musicians, but I always felt like there was too much fire, and like something bad was going to happen. There's a lot of tales and fire and, <laughs> yeah. you know, costumes. I was like, I'm like, this place, they have enough <laughs> fire extinguishers here? Like, I always felt like something bad was going to happen. 
but never did. No. And they were wonderful. They were nice. I'm not saying they were bad people, but I just, I never felt safe at a Wookiee foot show. Yeah, it's about fire spinning and, and, and dressing up and being part of a carnival atmosphere, yeah. kind of, more than it is seeing a concert. Yeah. yeah. Which, again, it's entertainment, right? Show business. So, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, but you were saying that there used to be only Wookiee foot and yeah. the Wu family reunions. That's right. And, and several of those Wu family reunions uh, were, I thought we played really well. I felt really high if you would uh and uh really, oh i would re- really connected to to the crowd and all the people who were there because it was a kind of a special thing it was you know it wasn't we didn't get big the way other people get big where they uh we did it by tape trading and by grassroots kind of marketing but that has to feel good right i mean to me that always feels like the bit like show up for work do yeah. your job i er- love er- earn your bit and and so i want to talk to you about more about the Wu family reunions and more about why you left and what you did afterwards because I'm also a big fan of God Johnson. We're going to hear a little God Johnson, but I see that once again, enough of my yapping. <laughs> I'm talking too much. My name is Brian Hoke. We're talking to Jason Flatiger. Um, what is the next song we're going to play from Jason? It's uh, Maria Tambien. Oh, uh, yeah. so yeah, th- that's the name of the song by Kroonbin. Yeah. Now, Kroonbin... I remember when I first, at my previous job, when we first started playing this band, and I was like, that's pretty cool, but I've heard a lot of bands that sort of explore that sort of Pacific Rim meets funky craziness. But then I talked to a couple people like, if you see this band live, you are not going to find a groovier or better band ever. Is that your experience? Yeah. As far as one of the new jam bands out there right now, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Krungbin. I definitely love them. Well, this is Jason's pick. It's Kroonbin with Maria Tambien.
Kroonbin, Maria Tambien, that chosen by our just guest, Jason Flatiger. That chosen by our guest, Jason Flatiger, here on the Brian Oak Show. Jason, so we've talked about your formative years. We've talked about your time in the Big Woo. Now what I'd like to do is at some point, even though the Big Woo was making the rounds, touring the world was one of the, uh, should I say late 90s or early 2000s, one of the defining jam bands not only in America, but out there, period. Yeah, from from 94 to, to 95 is kind of when those those bands started popping up, and we were definitely one of the first. You were absolutely right there in the heart of it. So at some point, you decide it's time to go. Yeah. With, without digging in too deep, and I'm not looking for any dirt, why did you decide it was time to get out of the Big Woo? Uh, well, I, I was looking at a divorce, basically. Ah, and I, w- I was wondering... Like I, a marital divorce yeah, or a band divorce? No, I was married, my first wife. Understood, understood. I was I got out there and we toured around for many years and, and did the tour bus thing. And and things got a little out of control sometimes. And That's uh, hard on a marriage is what you're saying. It's real hard on a marriage. Yeah. And don't do it. I wouldn't get married if you're going to get into a rock band. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a reasonable choice. Yeah. It was so I I I chose to give up the band to try and save the marriage. And wow, that was at the high point of everything too. So it was a difficult decision. How did the rest of the band take it? Like, I mean, like you have to. You're obviously friends at this point. You've shared a tremendous amount of both success, sadness, hard work, all the the whole thing. When you're like, look, this marriage matters enough to me that I have to go. Yeah, was the band okay, or did were they mad? No, they weren't very mad about it. I don't think. I think they got tired of me for the last because of. For that year leading up to my divorce, I was not very fun to be with, yeah. and it was a difficult thing. Huh? And I was—I tr- loved playing in the Big Woo, so it was—it was very hard, I guess you could say. How long did you stay away from music, or did you go right back into a different project? Obviously, people know you went into God Johnson, but was there was there a downtime? Was there a time where yeah. you're like, I can't do any more music? I got out uh, when I got out of the Big Woo. I, w- I moved home with my folks, and yeah. I, I started going to the Y all the time, and. I took about a year and a half. To, what was your favorite? You like a weight machine guy, you a swimming uh, guy, you a running guy? What were you into? I like hit the elliptical for an hour. Nice. And just sweat it all out. Yeah, you must have good knees, right? Yeah, so far. Yeah, lucky. <laughs> Not you? No, oh. no, no, no. My knees are both angry like Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> Oscar one and Oscar two is what I call my knees. <laughs> so you took some downtime. You went and lived with the folks. You yeah. cleaned out. Yeah. Obviously, quitting the band did not save your marriage, but no. you had to sort of regroup. Right. So how does God Johnson come about then? Um, I, I don't know exactly. I knew the, some of the members of God Johnson from other bands that they played in. Yep. Uh, one band called Pleasure Paws, the old old band with my, Jimmy Rogers, my bass player in it. But we just, uh, the Big Woo had a lot of drama. We were we were five really unique personalities. And so th- it was nice to be in a band that didn't have much drama. We just were there to make music and yeah. have a good time. And, and we did. <laughs> was there a period when you were, and again, I'm not trying to dig up ancient dirt because I don't really want to know the details, but, you know, you go through a divorce, you're living with your folks, there's a time where music's not your primary focus. Was it hard to pick up the guitar or touch a piano? I mean, did you have to wait a while? And if you did, when was the first time you felt picking it up and playing it really felt good? Yeah, I, you know, I did put it down for a little while. I put it yeah. down for, for maybe half the year and and then picked it up again and, and just, it, it's therapeutic to play music. I don't know if you play I don't play at all, but I'll tell you, it's therapeutic to listen to music on yeah. the regular, which is why I remain as adjacent to it as I do. Yeah, yeah. So, so that along with the gym 
uh, kind of get got me back into shape. And uh, and then I went out and, and found these guys to play with. It started God Johnson. We recorded a few albums, mostly played at the Caboose on the West Bank and, and regionally. Yeah, which, by the way, is right on the light rail, which also runs right by my house. So I like to go to the Caboose because then, should I decide that I'm going to indulge, you know, Mix a little ecstasy with LSD, then I can just get on the train and howl like Hunter S. Thompson the whole way home. Before we hear a God Johnson song, uh, I want to say thank you very much, Jason. But also, we should talk to Sean real quick here. Uh, Sean, you are not only my business partner and producing tonight's show, but you're also a sponsor for the show because you sell homes for Edina Realty. This is a slow time of year, but people still buy and sell homes this time of year, yeah? They do. In fact, uh, most of my meetings right now are about planning and people that are thinking about buying or selling in 2020 so i had a meeting earlier today and then i've got one coming up next week uh where i'm just sitting down talking to somebody and we're going to do a, a market analysis on their house uh and kind of see where they're at and see what they think they can they can get for their house and i'll probably recommend a few changes and and then they'll plan and probably put the house on in march so this is a great time to get a hold of me if you're just in the planning stages you're just thinking about it or know somebody who is you can call me at 612-859-2594 or Sean Barnard at EdinaRealty.com, S-E-A-N-B-A-R-N-A-R-D at EdinaRealty.com. Not Bernard, but Barnard. Correct. Okay, I'm just making sure because I've had so a couple many people, people who reach out to like, hey, tell me more about the Sean Bernard guy. I'm oh, like, yeah. well, he's not a St. Bernard. No. Hello. You know, with the right with the right furry outfit, you might look like a St. Bernard. You're a furry outfit. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually not very far from the truth. Um, We should wrap things up here. But before we go, Jason, um, so God Johnson, you know, we're going to hear a God Johnson song. What do you do right now? What is, and again, this is not taking you to task. I like to know what makes people happy because I feel like we live in very challenging times. I feel like we live in a time where, you know, you don't have to be the best person that's alive, but some days just to get through from the time you wake up until the time you go to bed. So maybe you read books. Maybe you have taken up Needlepoint. Maybe you're writing some of the most satisfying music you've written in your entire life. What are you doing these days that makes you feel good? Uh, well, not Needlepoint. Rosie Greer did Needlepoint, I think. Yeah, but also like that Needlepoint right there oh, where it says never give up on your stupid, stupid dreams. Oh, I see. That's one of my that's one of my favorite things I've ever seen. Rosie Greer also carried a purse and was like not joking around about it. You remember Free to Be Me, You and Me, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. Uh, it's what okay do I do? to cry. Uh, for fun, I mean, I play guitar about six hours a day. Wow. I, mean, I just, I can't. And that's fun? That's fun for that me. That almost sounds like a workout. Uh, I have a whole lot of different projects that I play with around the cities. Who are you playing with? If people want to hear some of your most recent efforts, where do they go? Uh, you would go to Tuttle's out in Hopkins on, okay. a, on a Friday. Oh, yeah. On a Friday night, and I play out there from 7 to 10. You know, if someone's like, I'm not driving to fucking Hopkins, not mm-hmm. even for Jason Flatiger, where could they find you online? Uh, you, you could find us online on Facebook right now. We okay. don't have a website. Just under look under Super Duty or... Hoodfellas with an H. Fine. Yeah. That's what I want to ask. So we're going to hear a God Johnson song, and then we're going to come back and finally wrap this up. You know, Sean is always like, can we try to keep this show to 45 minutes? I'm like, hour 20? No problem. <laughs> Got you, bro. Bro hammer. Bros of Stalin. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and hear some God bro Johnson. Zilla. All right, here we go. <laughs> what? I'm low on your waist 
pardon me, of God Johnson here. Uh, speaking of, Jason Flattiger has been our guest this evening, and um, Jason, we're going to have to have you back because I have about 40 other questions for you. I want to talk about how, and I don't know that everyone appreciates, I just, I got so interested in your backstory and sort of the formation and formation of what you've done and who you are. We didn't really get to talk about what I believe might even be a bigger impact of the Big Woo, which is the template that was set, which is how music festivals have... You know, now every summer there's a hundred of them, and there didn't used to be that. And the Big Woo were an early part of that with the big with, with the Big Woo family reunion. That's right. Yeah, big, well, mm-hmm. you will come back, won't you? I'd be happy to. I'm I'm so glad you're doing this show, Brian. That's, that's great. <laughs> very very kind, man. Very humbling, and I appreciate it. And Jason, our first guest of 2020, Sean. Thank you very much. Don't get weird and <laughs> quivery lipped on me. I just want to say thank you very much. I appreciate your participation. I love you, Don't. Yeah, it's always weird with you, man. Like, can't ever just be like a normal that's thing. That's like my goal is just to mess with you. Like, yeah, that's, no, my, I that's my place. Really appreciate it. The last people that we need to thank is, you know, so many people have come on board and supported this podcast early on are the good people at AudioQuip. The reason that this sounds like it sounds is we're talking into professional microphones through professional mixers and processors and actually have real equipment here without nate and the entire crew at audio Quip, it wouldn't be like this it would still sound like we were talking into our cell phones down in sean's basement which i'm gonna be honest first couple times a little sketch a little dodgy a little it was a little awkward with my mr microphone <laughs> hey good looking we'll be back to pick you up later <laughs> Happy New Year to everybody out there. Um, I wanted to end because we started out tonight with a bunch of people we lost over the last week and a half. And, you know, 2019, I'm going to be honest, was a flaming pile of armadillo vomit. It was terrible. I hated it. But a couple of good things came out of it. But again, so I wanted to start 2020 so positively, but we lost some giants just in the last few days that you have to say goodbye to. You have to pay tribute to, but you also have to maintain positivity. I'm not one of these. We lost Ramdas recently, man. Be here now. But you have to maintain some kind of positivity no matter how big the diarrhea tidal wave is, and let's be honest, it's pretty big right now, Sean. That was going to be the name of the podcast, but we decided to go with the Brian Oak Show. <laughs> well, I, you know, t- in some people's minds, it's sort, it's sort of a synonymous bit, right? It kind of goes both ways. So there was uh, a quote recently by E.B. White who said, as long as there is one upright person, as long as there is one compassionate woman, the contagion may spread and the scene is not Desolate. Now, that may sound like Pollyanna. That may sound like pie in the sky. But to me, that's a hopefulness. That's a thing that if you ever let go of, well, then why wake up the next morning, right? Like, if you ever believe that it's so terrible that there's no point in going on, well, then don't go on. But you have to believe there's some kind of hope. You know, even Charles Bukowski, who was a drunken, womanizing freak had good things to say in a a poem he had called the spark which i'm not going to read here because we really got to wrap this show up once again we've gone way over time but i want to leave it with a quote from a guy by the name of isaac asimov who wrote the impossibly amazing sci-fi series foundation but he also wrote i robot he's also probably when you talk about forward thinkers future thinkers futurists i mean in addition to having lamb chops that Lemmy would have been jealous of. (laughs) He wrote some of the most important and thoughtful science fiction and frankly, just fiction, human vision that's ever been written. But he wrote something and he was born, by the way, 100 years ago 
today. Wow. 100 years ago today. So I wanted to share this as we say goodbye. He wrote, to me, it seems important to believe people to be good, even if they tend to be bad. Because your own joy and happiness in life has increased that way. And the pleasures of the belief outweigh the occasional disappointments. To be a cynic about people works just the other way around and makes you incapable about enjoying the good things. And now, again, it may be oversimplifying it, but if you don't believe in the good things, if you don't wake up thinking, it might be better, it could be better, well, then what the hell is the point, right? Absolutely. My theme for 2020 Seek authentic connection. Huh. Jason, thanks again, man. Really good to talk to you. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. You will come back, right? Absolutely. Fantastic news. Sean, you're not coming back, are you? Nope. Okay, good. Not after you silenced me after my sweet, sweet 2020 theme. Oh, I can't even remember what we're going to. Oh, I do. So here's the deal. Last thing. I tried to end on such a wonderful, inspirational, positive note. The other day, a dear friend of mine, Tony, one of my greatest friends of all time, known since we were both 10 years old, he was going through a dark time, right? Like these dark days of winter, they can be hard on a lot of people. And he was going through a hard time. I'm like, you know what? I love him. I would take a bullet for him. I'm going to send him this song. And it's a song called Tony's Theme by Pixies off Surfer Uh. Rosa. Problem is, when you share a YouTube video, depending on the image, on the cover of Surfer Rosa, Vaughn Oliver, who also recently died, who is one of the most important album designers of all time for AD Records out of the UK, some of the most, I mean, Cocteau Twins, This Mortal Coil, Pixies, like, like really weird, odd beat stuff. Like, I remember how... It used to smell when I'd go into Northern Lights and and buy records. I'm like, somebody in here is burning incense. There's something going on here. In any event, a defining figure in album design. And unfortunately, on the cover of Pixie's debut full-length, Surfer Rosa, there is a gorgeous flamenco dancer who happens to be topless. And because boobs, I'm in Facebook jail. Ridiculous. I can't post. Otherwise, we would do a promotional video. Oh, dude. So apparently if it's an art, the Venus de Milo, the boobs aren't the main bit. They're part of the female form. Do we hate women so much that we can't have an artistic representation of their bodies on the internet? I'm not going to go on and on about all the, you know, semi-automatic weapons we can have pictures of that we don't get banned on, you know, Facebook for. But What about the Nazis who can say, oh. screw these? Anyway, okay, shh, shh. I was, really, right. I, was, I was super trying to end on a positive note to kick off 2020. This is going to be a better year if it kills me. That being said, this is the song that got me in Facebook jail. We'll be back tomorrow night with another show featuring Joe Ann Parker, Joy Ann Parker, who I'm very excited about talking to. In the meantime, fuck you, Facebook. And here's Tony's theme by Pixies as we wrap things up on Brian Oak Show.